Pod Clubhouse and decorating the set from Hollywood to your home with Beth Kushnick are pleased to announce our Frontline Workers Hero Appreciation Contest. Running from now until May 19th, the rules for the contest are simple. We want you to nominate the Frontline Worker Hero in your life and tell us why. That's it. That's all you have to do. The Frontline Worker Chosen will win a design consultation with interior designer to the stars and set decorator, Beth Kushnick. As well as a gift certificate sponsored by Raymore Flanagan to help put your design ideas into action. To nominate your Frontline Worker Hero, just head to podclubhouse.com and fill out the official contest form. See the post at Pod Clubhouse for all of the official rules and contest information. No purchase or payment is necessary to enter. Void where prohibited by law. Pod Clubhouse. Do you love Christmas? Do you love Christmas movies? Do you wish it was Christmas time year round? Well, do we have a podcast for you. Welcome to the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. Whoa, 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 Clark. We're keeping this show family friendly. Where's the Tylenol? Welcome to week 19 of the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. This is Caroline. And this is Mike. Tonight we're going to be talking about the 2017 horror musical comedy movie, Anna and the Apocalypse. Caroline, hey, I got a special surprise for you. You do? What? Uh, For only the second time in our 52 weeks of Christmas podcast, we have guests tonight, Caroline. We have people coming over the clubhouse. (laughs) Is that who's been making so much ruckus eating all my snacks in the clubhouse kitchen? They've been moaning about brains and hitting people with candy canes. They've been destroying all sorts of of stuff tonight. Uh, (laughs) Joining us to talk about ending the apocalypse, the reason we know about this movie, we have Danny and Drew from It's a Musical Podcast. Hey, guys, how you doing? Very well. How are you? Hi. (laughs) Uh, So a little background. We had not heard of this movie, and we were having you guys on for an episode of Interview with a Podcast, which at this point has not come out yet. So you're going to appear on our Christmas podcast before the actual IWAP uh, podcast episode comes out. That's so awesome. After we were done recording, we were talking about the Christmas podcast, and you mentioned this movie, and we sat down and we both separately watched it. We're like, yes, we definitely have to do this movie. And obviously, we needed to have you on to to guide us through it. I'm glad we have some natives who can guide us through it, too. Yeah, we didn't. We actually didn't know about this one before one of our listeners messaged us and was like, hey, you have to do this at Christmas. You have to cover this film. And obviously, I'm the one that that has seen all the musicals to be like, hey, you're watching this. And I hadn't heard of it at all. Didn't he um, bribe us with coffee? Yeah, he did. (laughs) So he was like, do with this information what you will, but you have to cover Anne in the Apocalypse, and we have never looked back ever since. Yeah. Why don't we give people, just because uh, because we've already mentioned musicals now a couple of times, why don't you guys give a little quick synopsis of what your podcast is about, and maybe that'll draw a little bit of a through line to why this movie makes sense for you guys to be doing with us today. Yeah, so I'm obsessed with musicals. I grew up watching musicals and forcing other people to watch musicals, specifically my brother. And then when I started dating Danny, he had seen like three in total. And so now I force him to watch musicals that he should have seen by now. And then we talk about them and he rates them usually a lot lower than I think he should be rating them. 
And the ones that you think I'm going to love, I, I dislike. And the ones yeah. that you're not sold on, I tend to like more. Yeah. So I'm starting to get your jokes and your humour a little bit more. The references you make. I understand that reference That now. is true. I'm starting to slowly become less and less funny because you're starting to understand or know where my jokes come from. <laughs> I'm basically Captain America in The Winter Soldier when he gets a list mm-hmm. of what's happened in the time he's been frozen in the ice. But my list is just Absolutely. musical theatre. It's very niche. It's a very niche <laughs> list. of. I love, I love, 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 Drew, that you're getting your jokes from the musicals because I think I might have outed Mike in my head because I've been rewatching. Sopranos and there's so many lines in there that I'm like you say that hey you say that (laughs) but to be clear though I don't say that because of the Sopranos I say that because I'm an Italian from New York and the Sopranos are Italians from New Jersey we're very we're like kissing cousins at best you know (laughs) Gabala Gol runs in our blood it's it's just what it is and he's got Ajina all the time Ajita there's no N it's Ajita I can't say it any different Ajita that's very funny what are you gonna do you can't take the girl out of texas guys so uh, this movie is kind of crazy because it has a really long production history uh daddy you want to take us through a little bit uh the history of the movie if you have it so it started i would say it seems like there's been a, a big genesis from films like Shaun of the dead and since that point ryan mchenry uh who you know people might know for the uh Ryan Gosling doesn't eat cereal. The Vines, very popular once upon a time. And he um, wrote a musical called Zombie Musical. Mm -hmm. And it was a short film, little short feature that just gained some acclaim behind the scenes. And ever since that point, they started the process of let's turn this into a feature length film. Let's take this world and let's do a little bit more with it. Yeah, the original musical had three characters. You had Anna, John, and their PE teacher trying to survive the zombie apocalypse while singing and dancing. The original movie, it's 17 minutes long. It's a super fast watch. It's available on YouTube. Everyone should go check Mm -hmm. it out, especially just to compare it to this. There is a bunch in common, obviously, zombies and the musical and the number, the big number in the zombie musical really mirrors what would turn into turning my life around in the feature length. You know, it has Anna walking down the street as the world ends kind of behind her and the zombies break out and stuff. I found the short much darker after that point. Once she gets to the high school and then she meets John, who she doesn't really know uh, in the movie short version, it's much darker and not nearly as much fun. I mean, the PE teacher is basically a sexual predator, kind of, mm-hmm. before becoming a zombie. It's I was like, wow. It's the worst kind of zombie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fat, gross PE teacher, sexual predator. So I'm surprised that that hasn't made it to uh, Resident Evil, to be honest. That seems like a very niche zombie type. <laughs> and, you know, and, and a little kinky, too, because he uses jump ropes to tie her, like, hog tie her up on the table. It's oh It was God. disturbing. I found I found that 17 minutes much more disturbing than anything I found in the 93 minute version of of this movie. So. It's definitely been watered down. I think a lot. Yeah, from the yeah. 17 minutes to this feature length. This version is a lot happier. It more has more joy in it. it. Has a lot more comedy in it 
that has a couple of jokes, but I, I think the through line is Anna is still kind of a badass, right? She yeah. still she still knows how to swing a weapon, you know, is still kind of the heroine of her own story, which I think is great. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Only much more personable because she has people to talk to now. Uh, I'm going to read the quick little blurb for people that haven't seen this movie. You should go watch it. If you're in the States listening to this, it's available for free as part of your Amazon Prime membership. Uh, it is the U.S. cut, which is shorter than the U.K. cut. We're still worth to go watch it and, and you don't have to pay for it. <laughs> Here's the quick blurb from IMDb. Let's see if it stacks up to what the movie is really about. When the zombie apocalypse hits the sleepy town of Little Haven, that's in Scotland, at Christmas, teenager Anna and her high school friends have to fight, sing, and dance to survive with the undead horde all around them. Teaming up with her best friend, John, Anna has to fight her way through zombified snowmen, Santas, elves, and Christmas shoppers to get across town to the high school where they'll be safe. But they soon discover that being a teenager is just as difficult as staying alive, even at the end of the world. <laughs> okay. <laughs> In a world gone mad by zombies <laughs> and dramatic. singing and dancing. I love the phrasing of that. Like they have to sing and dance to survive. It, it's, it's like, it, it's, it's like a it's not optional. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't we all have to sing and dance to be alive, y'all? Come on. You two yeah. of anyone, I feel like you understand that. <laughs> it's how we get hyped in the morning. We can't start our day. Most people, it's coffee. For us, it's show tunes. It actually is. <laughs> Mike, you might have to move in with them. I know, I might, I might. Do you guys have room for a third? Because I'm, I'm, I'm looking for some people to sing and dance with in the morning. I got to tell you, uh, I have this great image of Danny and Drew dancing and singing towards each other in a cemetery as they as they yes. begin their day. Uh, that scene with like Anna that. and John, yeah, very much so. Yes. I see the two of them doing that. I don't know. Only I like Danny a lot more than John. Yeah. <laughs> mm, that's super sweet well, i want to i want to get to the casting here because everyone here is super young basically unknown uh since this movie came out ella hunt has kind of blown up a bit because she is one of the co-leads on dickinson on apple yes. tv plus where she is fantastic as sue gilbert or sue gilbert dickinson but otherwise this is a pretty unknown cast or at least unknown to us here in the states it was there anyone here and was there anyone guys uh of the the screenplay alan mcdonald who has the written by along with ryan mchenry or director john mcphail was, was there anyone here production wise or cast wise that you knew before this or when you saw this you're like oh i know who that is the only person for me that I looked at and thought, I recognize them. How do I recognize them? Was Mark Benton, who yeah. plays Anna's dad. And that's because he was in the very first episode of the Doctor Who revival with Christopher Eccleston for about 10 minutes of screen time. But he was, that that's all I ever recognized him from. He's the guy that figures out that the Doctor is, is like everywhere in history. Yeah. Yeah. He shows Rose all these Brilliant. pictures that he's compiled of this man um, throughout time. So you you get the pictures of Christopher Eccleston on the Titanic at the pyramids. It, does he play? Is he Rose's dad? No. Not Rose's dad. It's this weird conspiracy nut that she finds online to talk to about the Doctor. I've for um, sure seen that episode. I'd have to go back though and and watch it. Yeah, he's literally in ten minutes of it. <laughs> And I recognized him as well from Britannia High, which is such a niche throwback. Like nobody will remember that the show existed. It was a weird British version of Fame, the TV series. Nice. I like that you said a weird British version. Yeah, it was a really weird. Because like, the entire, I know that like, you know, when you're casting teenagers, you've got to cast slightly older just for working rights. But these guys were all like, 
late 20s. <laughs> they have like beer bellies. <laughs> yeah. They're like, for us, that was Beverly Hills 90210. Right. They have like receding hairlines. Yeah. And like Andrea Zuckerman was like in her early 40s oh and playing like an 18 year old. And, you know. Yeah. And Ben Wiggins. You recognize Ben Wiggins, did you? Yes. Because he's in The Witcher. Oh. He's like, yes. <laughs> See, I watched the first episode of The Witch, and then you went and watched it without yeah, me. Sorry. So I, I just love Yaskia too much. I couldn't. <laughs> the Witcher is really good. The, the other really person good. I recognised was Paul Kay, who played um, Mr. Savage, the head teacher, the villain, because he was in Game of Thrones. He was Spoilers. Thoros of <laughs> Mir. How you know, it's been yeah. eight. So I recognised him. But it's the adults, like you say, it's a very young cast. It's right. a, you know yet to really make their name. So it was the two adult characters that I really looked at and thought, I know who you two are. Mm-hmm. I recognized I recognized Paul K also, but I didn't know why. And then when I saw that he was Thoros, I was like, oh yeah, of course. Okay, that's where I got him from for sure. Yeah, no, I was really impressed by the talent here. I, I think Ella Hunt is is a real standout here, which is great because she's the lead. But I was really impressed by Sarah Swire, who plays yes. Steph. Yes. I didn't realize that you guys, she does the chore- she's the choreographer in this movie too, which is kind of yeah. fantastic. She's fantastic. For me, she's kind of like the unsung hero of this this film. And I, I've, I try as I might, I can't find much about Sarah Swire, but she gives off serious Draco Malfoy vibes for me as well at times. Yeah, and, that Instagram page is incredible. Yeah. That is exactly who she reminds me of. And there's a part of me that she's very like uh, Lauren Lopez from uh, Starkid. Mm-hmm. You know, serious vibes. And I, I loved Steph. She's, I, I want to see Sarah Swire in more just based on this i had i had the same i had the same reaction i i went looking to see what else she's done because i think she was she really held the camera well um and young actors can't always do that but i I think Mm. you know like chris uh chris played by christopher laveau you know other than human voice which is a great song and he has a real feature in that he kind of gets lost in the shuffle a bit in this movie but then you have someone like steph or sarah swire who i thought did a lot with you know a co-star role because she's never as prominent but you get a real sense of growth with her character you see her way out of her depth and gradually grow to kind of become more more badass at times than anna i think you know mm-hmm. i i would love to see a spin-off of the second act of this film or the final act of this right. film just from her perspective what is she getting up to because just trying to get her car to start <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh! That keychain—that's such a high school kid's keychain. Like it's—it's five times larger than the key that's on it. It made me laugh really hard. (laughs) It's small details about this film though that are just so endearing Mm -hmm. because you can look at that and think, "Yeah, that is spot on." It doesn't feel like anything is a stretch. And I know we're talking about the zombie apocalypse, but oh man, we rewatched this yesterday, and this is so on the nose now, like pandemic wise. I it's the very first (laughs) note I have. The movie starts with CDC upgrade pandemic from flu i was like what no what are you guys making me watch what is happening here yeah and they talk about hand sanitizer and you know like close contact for you if this film had been released in 2019 i think it, everyone would be thinking what did, what did it do why, why is this happening yeah 
what is wrong with these sick bastards? Why would they do this to us? Like, you know, like it's, it's, too, it's too on the nose. This movie, I, I think, has like three parts to it. There's a musical part, there's the horror part, and then there's the Christmas part. Yeah. Obviously, this is a Christmas podcast, so let's save that one. What's your guys' background with horror? Are you guys big horror fans? Do you like gore? Do you like jump scares? Take us through each of your uh, relationships with horror movies. Yes, is the answer to all of those things. <laughs> I am obsessed with horror movies. I love horror. Part of my dissertation when I was at uni was about how horror affects your brain because there's a lot of scientific research to say that it's actually really good for you to be scared by horror movies because then it gets the adrenaline parts of your brain to work which then makes you feel better and it's like cures depression well not cures but like helps depression so I watch a lot of horror movies not for that reason (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I Grew up being told I was not allowed to watch horror movies. My mum absolutely hates horror. She is the biggest wimp on the planet and cannot watch any of it. And she wouldn't mind me saying that. But yeah, as soon as I like moved out, I was like, right, this is the time. And especially because there is a podcast and YouTube channel called Dead Meat, who are incredible. Their whole channel and show got me into like classic horror. And now I'm obsessed with all the all the like old campy horror movies yeah they shine a spotlight on a lot of ones that are very niche and very like under the radar Mm -hmm. i don't have quite the same relationship with horror i'm a bit of a wimp Mm -hmm. i like the adrenaline it's the same like adrenaline i get from roller coasters like i'm scared of heights but i feel accomplished for surviving it (laughs) but for me it's the more atmospheric things like I, i love the shining I love monster movies. I think I prefer them sometimes, and I like The Shining, but I prefer monster movies because I can rationalise when I'm in bed, terrified. Zombies aren't real. Werewolves aren't real. Mad Men are real. So (laughs) that's kind of where I draw the line. And we we were watching clips of Paranormal Activity the other day with Mm -hmm. your family, and I I couldn't (laughs) watch bits of it because that feels too real for me as well sometimes like the whole idea of ghosts and not being safe so Mm -hmm. i have to be in the right mood for horror yeah i like it when it is far more horror comedy think Shaun of the dead you know where i can laugh at what scares me but also our anniversary of us getting together is friday the 13th so we went to see friday the 13th on our first anniversary yeah (laughs) oh that's so sweet and creepy they're so cute Oh my gosh. Uh, I, I, how about you, Caroline? I, I, you and I don't actually really talk about too, too much horror, not on podcasts anyway. So in middle school, I was a super, super horror lover, like saw everything. Exorcist, Rosemary's Baby, everything you could possibly see. All the Freddies, all the Jasons. Watched them at every sleepover all the time. Then I became a parent. <laughs> and now everything <laughs> scares the shit out of me. Everything. Yeah. Like I'm certain something's under my bed. I literally stand in the middle of the bed when I when it's the middle of the night and I jump as far as I can so that nothing can grab my leg <laughs> and then go to the bathroom and come back and I have to I actually put a chest at my end of my bed so that I can climb on the chest and then jump over the end of it to get back in. <laughs> because I cannot I cannot afford to lose my Achilles tendon, you guys. I can't. And so yeah. I'm just certain they're under there waiting to slice me so yeah now i'm scared 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 and i think also there's like a lot more feeling of like a predatory kind of thing as like an adult woman i feel a lot more like when i was a kid i wasn't scared of anything i felt like all the adults would watch out for me now i feel like i'm like is that man looking at me <sighs> like hold my purse closer like i don't know suddenly there's no one watching out for me anymore you know what an absolute mood <laughs> <laughs> it 
isn't it? But it's totally, I like totally put my keys between my fingers, the whole deal. Like mm-hmm. I hate all that shit, but that's like being an adult. Like, wait a minute. I'm the one that's supposed to protect everyone else now. And I'm like, I don't want to, I'm too scared. The thing with mon- like monster movies is like, I can definitely take a zombie. I think I like yes. to think yeah. these zombies. Yes. I feel like I could take one of these zombies, but when it comes to like real human beings, I would just die. <laughs> See, that's what I'm afraid of. Mm-hmm. I remember studying like horror monsters at, at college and film, you know, when I did film studies at university and it's so like, when you, when you really think about it, it's so like misogynistic, like all the background of these horror monsters, that it's just another way that men have been like, hey, how can we oppress women? Mm-hmm. And when you look at it from that that kind of mindset, you're like, oh, it's not as scary anymore. It's like the more digging you do with horror, yeah. it just, it, it, it become you become quite numb to it. Yeah, there's a great book just called The Final Girl, which is about the history of like horror movies and why we have female characters as our leads and why male audiences can identify with a female lead, but only in a horror movie. Because in any other genre, if it's aimed towards men, they put a male character as the lead. I want to know everything, Drew. Tell me. Why? What is the deal? Men don't believe that a man would get into the situation of a horror movie but they can believe that the female character would. Obviously, this is like a generalisation because Obviously. it's a study. But they believe that the female character would, and then you feel bad for her because you want to protect her from the monster mm. or whatever's happening. Whereas if it's a male character, you're like, look after yourself. Just like, you know, yeah. come on. <laughs> Get yourself together. <laughs> it's super interesting. It's funny you say that because there's a scene in here as give them a show uh, where yes. Anna and Savage are about to square off and dad is, you know, uh, tied up on the on the in the chair on the stage. She mm-hmm. puts the candy cane down and she puts her hair up. And it's the first time she's like stopped to put her hair up in a movie. And I have in my notes. Oh, shit. Anna's putting up her hair. <laughs> Some ass is about to be whooped. Like I literally sat and wrote that out. I was like, I was like, I've been trained. I know what that cue is. Like, there's about to be some ass kicking going on. One of my favorite bits. Like she just stops and she's staring dead in the eye, not breaking her eye contact with Savage. It's a proper like intimidation thing. Yeah, yeah, total baller move. Yeah, real flex move. And I totally appreciated it. It's very hold my purse. Take out my in my hoop earrings and like get ready for shit. But like my response to that when we watched this the first time, it was like, finally. (laughs) I know. I felt the same way. I was like, girl, that hair's just getting in your way. You're getting all blood and gunk in it. Get it up off your face. She's got long old hair. Zombie's going to grab it. That should be in a bun, like (laughs) as tight as possible. Maybe she had maybe she had hickeys from her time with Nick and she wanted to cover them up. How have they been broken up? Like Well, so the the recap I read, I read something where it said that it was a one night stand. Oh. That's why that makes no sense. That's what I took it to be. I'm guessing not a lot of hickeys then, in my experience. That's not a hickey situation. Well, Nick doesn't strike me as the most accommodating lover, maybe. So, you know, he's probably (laughs) probably not concerned with giving hickeys at that point. I'm giving hickeys. Oh my god! I mean, he can swing a bat for sure, but I don't know how much time he's spending. Anyway, uh, we're all like, that was a five-minute interaction. <laughs> like, we're going to judge this kid hard. 
<laughs> literally oh between classes. Like, right, exactly. <laughs> so so you guys are teachers. Caroline and I have uh, teenagers at different ends of the spectrum. I'm curious what we all think about the archetype kids that they sit up here. Because I think they do a good, good job of identifying very different personality types that we you'd find in high school that you find in teenagers but you guys are on the ground with kids all the time uh you know daddy like what do you think of these kids do these reflect like modern high school kids that you see i think so i think especially when you look at like the talent show and the fish wrap it's <laughs> i'm a drama teacher so i have been putting on showcases like that before to parents and i have had the savage moment where i'm up in the lighting box going four weeks They've been working on this for four weeks. <laughs> and, you know, it's for us, we were talking about yesterday, that this has clearly got to be some kind of like performing arts based school because the emphasis is so much on all this creativity. So mm -hmm. you've got, you know, obviously tech students, you've got singers, you've got dancers. Artists, you've, yeah. You've got artists. You've obviously got some PE. But I, I, I think that's one of the things I really like about this is, again they're not massive stereotypes of what it is to be a media student or a, an art student they're kind of yeah you don't have like the jock and the nerd but you do kind of have those like kind of yeah you know? i don't think Nick they're more subtle jock. Yeah, yeah exactly there's much more subtlety here with them the jocks are the ones who do like the lifts on stage you know like they're mm -hmm. not necessarily football team guys but like they're they're the strong dancers in the school jocks are the dance club the jocks are the ones that come out to do um it's that time. It's that time of year with Lisa. Sure. That's it. They're that, the ones that, who have the, some muscles who can go the Chippendale, the, the, the high school Chippendale dancers that they have. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I want to play a little bit of fish rap because there's some really clever wordplay in here. So let's let's play a little bit of this. My favorite dish is fish. Mother flipper and I eat it for the hell of it. A nice bit of halibut. That's not the only fish they got. Mackerel. Mackerel. I could take more than a snack full. Salmon with some jam and I could drink it by the tap. Halibut and halibut is a clever rhyme. <laughs> and I, I rewound it like three times. To, I was like, is that, they're really doing that? They're going there? And I loved it every time. It made me it's laugh. So good. We when we first watched it, we were we always do that a skip was your song. Least rated song. We always do a skip song. Like, what do we think? If we put it on in a playlist, we will just skip. And the fish rap was my skip song, but it's like the only one we don't <laughs> skip when it comes on in, in the car. Practice, we listen to it so much more because the lyrics are so so clever and and their costumes obviously in their little penguin outfits it's the penguins oh my god i'm a big penguin guy i'm a big fan of penguins i was i gotta tell you i was a little sad one of the only zombie things that really impacted me was seeing them munching down on intestines later in the movie i was <laughs> like not the penguins <laughs> they're on stage for literally 30 seconds to do their fish wrap and that's it and and then we see them again later on and you just think oh no no mm. not the penguins <laughs> it was exactly like that like no not them i think my favorite line from it is haddock's always radical i eat the fins i eat the gill <laughs> just, the, the, the words play in this is so much fun mm-hmm uh, Caroline, you watch this with your daughter. What did she think of it? Did, did, was, was she like identifying with like some of these kids? 
Oh, they loved the entire thing. I actually watched it with, with two of the kids, and they are 17 and 18, and they completely understood all of this and <laughs> loved... I think definitely when the zombies came in more into play, they really, like, there were some grins on their faces, like, that were like, yeah, I want to see all these adults get chomped on. Like, it was, <laughs> it was kind of insane. I think it was cathartic for them. So, yeah, I mean, I think... I don't know that they necessarily identified with any in particular character. I was thinking of that for the four of us. Like, which of these characters do you think you are back in high school or even now, really? Steph. <laughs> I just am Steph. Like, my reaction to everything in it, I'm like, yes, she is reacting exactly the correct way to everything. I see myself as Chris, but I'm... The problem is, being a teacher, there is... There is a part of me that I, I can kind of understand where Savage comes from at times. <laughs> That's it, get out. <laughs> I can kind of get where he's coming from and Only at the I hate myself for it, but I th- I've no been way. in that position. I, I totally get that. I, and plus, there's a whole like feeling when it comes to uh, vice principals. I think that's a certain type of human being who takes a vice principal job that is very specific and he's got it all. He's got all the repressed once more power, but doesn't have it like the whole thing, but he can smell it though. Like it's 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 just days away from being officially his for the doddering actual headmaster to die. When, when he, when the headmaster is clapping along with Lisa's (laughs) song, I was like, he's just like clapping like way off the beat and stuff. I'm like, you are exactly every headmaster who stayed too long. (laughs) Well, this is it. So they actually say early on, he's leaving. This is his last term. He is leaving in two days after Christmas. Right. When he comes back from Christmas break. Savage will be headmaster. Which he retires at Christmas. I know. Like what had to happen for him to be leaving? That's something that's going to make me question this Christmas movie portion and whether it should have been at the end of the school year. So let's keep talking, though. Fun, Fun fact, the original draft for this... I don't know if you guys heard this in the making of the original draft years ago for this movie was that it was actually a graduation set uh, movie yeah. uh, that mm-hmm. this this took off at graduation, not at Christmas time. The Christmas time came later in the rewrite in the rewrite. Yeah, very much feeling that. Well, especially with the talk about going to uni and plans for the future, like that start the movie with uh, Tony, the dad and and Anna. Uh, it very much feels like they're they're at that point of discussion, you know. Yeah, definitely. Like It's almost what is the next step that actively thinking how what have you got now to prepare going into your final six months of school? Yeah. Well, how, I, I don't know how it works in America. How far in advance do you hear that you've gotten into a uni? Honestly, kids are just finding out right now for next year. So, I mean, they found out within the last month or so. So it would be like right now in like April, really. March, there are April. like there are Some early, early admission. There are like yeah. early admission programs where you have to say, if you take me, I'll go. Like you have to like commit, and that yeah. happens in the fall. But most kids on normal admission schedules are finding out now. Yeah. So yeah, so it was a little early for us. Yeah, whereas we're earlier. You've like. You know, I knew before Christmas. Yeah, we, we've applied by, I think it's typically October, September time. We have mm-hmm. to apply and we, we get our conditional offers by Christmas time that say, right, so if you want to study with us, you're going to need to get these grades. Like for the uh, rest okay. of the year. So we then have the motivation January up to July of work hard because you've got you want to get your first choice school you need to get these grades 
Uh, yeah, so the the application time for kids is the same here. They're they're applying in the fall, uh, October, November. But yeah, the turnaround time tends to be much longer. Yeah, the schools come back. You know, you get your you're looking for your fat envelope. If you get a thin envelope with a school, you know, <laughs> yeah. you, you don't want even, the one that has all the dorm information in it. That's right, the key. right. You want like the one that has like a brochure and maybe like a sweatshirt a or something stuck yep. in it. Yeah, like a map. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all yeah. that. Okay, so all right, so we got Steph and we got probably Chris. Are you sticking with that, Danny? Yeah, I think I was a media student. Don't be savage. Don't be savage. (laughs) (laughs) I I I really empathise with the whole. There's there's one of my favourite bits is he he drops his phone when they're running from the zombies and he can't leave without it. He captures it brilliant. It's like, but my memories are on there. I think I really resonate with that (laughs) moment. You know, the whole like everyone I love could be dead, but they still exist in this kind of cloud space. And if I lose this, yeah, I've lost what you know makes me human and i really like he wasn't looking at it for i need my phone i need to play pokemon go as we're running from zombies <laughs> i would kill you i would leave you to die if you did that i know i will see i really thought that was what was going to get him chomped at the end i, I expected him to go but i thought it was going to be because they were playing the video on the tv i thought he was going to try and go back and get it and that was going to be what got him but to his credit he was actually leaving it they still got cornered by the zombies but i like that he had that kind of growth where yeah push came to shove he made the right choice but still definitely matter who was your character then for myself okay so here's the deal not unlike uh danny i feel like i'm a mix of these people obviously i would love to be anna and i would love to just think that i'm only her but i think i got a little lisa in me that is uh definitely when she was singing the santa song i was like shut up this is my number (laughs) i was like i need this Caroline could be singing this song every Christmas. I can hear not that. To, not to the chimney unblocked part. <laughs> that part I'm like kicking right in. <laughs> yeah, I was like that and still am. So <laughs> that was me at 17 and me now. I love this so much. It's it's ridiculous, but yeah, I think that that song actually was like, okay, I love this movie. Like up yeah. until then, I was like, okay, all right, I'm understanding this. Okay, oh shit, I love this movie now. When she says <laughs> unload your sack, I, I I was drinking coffee and it literally came out of my nose. It, went, right, it went over men, my cat. It was it went on my desk. It's when the adult men are reacting, like the like they're closing their eyes or they're like rolling their the, eyes. The best is the that. mom with the little girl and. The little girl moves the mom's fingers out of the way because she's like, I want to see what's happening. I thought the Graham was so cute when she's like clapping along. So So I put this on last Christmas and I was driving my mom somewhere and it was just on my Christmas playlist and I'm singing along and my mom was like, Oh, this is a nice song. Did not notice (laughs) at all. I was like, Oh, you're the man. Right, because it sounds because it sounds so sweet, right? True. That's the trick of this personality. You are so sweet and so nice and then so not. I read some. I read someone. I read a review, and someone m- remarked about the wholesomeness of the music and how fun it is, and noted that song as being like a wholesome Christmas song. I said, "I you did not listen to that. You oh, wow. you may have just bopped. The, you may have been Graham just bopping along to the to the melody, but you were not listening to the words." I yeah. think the visuals help with this one as well, though, because you've oh, also got yeah. the chip and girl dancers. You've got all the parents shocked. You've got you know Chris's nan just 
smiling gleefully and supporting. <laughs> but I think when you have those visuals as well, you see Savage just getting more and more frustrated, yes. like his just veins popping. <laughs> you you are looking for all the innuendo, and you suddenly realise, like, oh, that line is a innuendo. Oh, it, <laughs> him being like, I'm going to kill her. I am Pornographic filth. Yeah. I, I feel really positive. Funny. I made most of the adults in my life feel that way, where I was like out of reach for them to actually snatch up, but they were like, "I'm <laughs> going to kill her the moment this is over." <laughs> Pretty yeah. sure I gave a lot of people those vibes. It's a very, it's a very Homer Simpson when he would grab Bart by the neck kind of thing, like <laughs> yeah. come here, you know, that kind of like feeling. Uh, I, 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 the dad though, Tony. I mean, his daughter's not there, but he's laughing and he's like watching and he's kind of snickering him to himself because he finds it funny, not like in a gross way but he's just like oh my god i can't believe this girl is doing this on stage to this like gentle mm-hmm. music in front of this christmas crowd I, I the whole all the reactions i thought were great who am i i'm john i'm definitely the king of the friend zone uh always, always the bridesmaid never the bride kind of john for sure uh if nothing else this joke is solid humor that i would make a thousand times a day right here Dasha <laughs> That's a dwarf. <laughs> There's Olive. You know, it's in the song. Olive, the other reindeer. <laughs> you still have to call him names. <laughs> Olive was a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me laugh every time. Olive is a dick. <laughs> We um Drew is an artist and she always she makes handmade Christmas cards and we plotted out our work Christmas cards, who's getting what and we, we decided on each reindeer. Drew says who who I we? ran out. Yeah. We ran out and Drew says, Which reindeer should I do for your your mum, your brother? And I said, You're doing olive. And <laughs> just based on this joke alone, and I took this into school and I'm working with our youngest kids. And we were doing some Christmas stuff and I, I joke about Olive and they got so frustrated that I couldn't understand that the word was all of. <laughs> and I was insisting, going, no, it's Olive. It's and I Olive. just, just based on this film, I kept drumming this joke. It's one of my favourite jokes in this because it's so silly and it just, it's, it's excellent wordplay. I've definitely heard Mike sing something just, just like that. Just I, like that. That kind of, of humor. I mean, the only thing is I was I was sitting there uh, Googling where you can find a light up Christmas tree sweater. Like there's a lot of John, <laughs> you know, getting upset yeah. about the even the the mention that Taylor Swift may not be OK. Oh, my God. If that part was not you so hard, I was like, when he was like, why would you say that? Tay-Tay is fine. Like that whole thing. I was like, Mike, where are you? And then like a minute later being like, God, I can't even believe you would even bring that into the world. Why would you even (laughs) caramelize? Lord. I might have to change my mind because there's that moment where Anna talks about Iron Man's lasers and he goes, stop. They are not lasers. They are repulsives. (laughs) And, you know. There's that brilliant moment as well where I'm like, yeah, maybe I am a little bit of John there just because I would call out something like that particularly. If you're going to get a reference, get it right. right. See, John is my least favorite character in, in this. Oh, now why? What, what about John don't you like? <laughs> I <laughs> Going into any movie, if you present me with a boy who like very clearly fancies the main character and she's not into him, at no point am I going to root for them to get together. So the, he was already kind of lost on me because I feel like they want us to like feel sorry for him. 
and I don't. She owes him nothing. So, <laughs> like, I just did not care about him because I felt like his whole trajectory was just going to be, oh, but I love her, so I'll just do anything she says and I'll follow her around and make mean comments about the boy that she actually fancies. I was like, I have no time for you, John. Sorry. <laughs> well, do you think she actually fancies Nick, though? I think she's just kind of over all of them. I think she's someone who's probably looking for a man out in the real world at this point. Mm. I don't, she should I, have ended up with Steph. Yeah, I ship her and Steph. <laughs> I'd have been way happier. In the sequel, who knows? You know, they get the sequel to this. I mean, they're going to have to repopulate the Earth somehow, so... Yeah, it's the only thing we need the boy characters for, really. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're making me snicker hard. <laughs> oftentimes, that's absolutely true. Oh my um, god! No, but I, you know, I was impressed that the movie has her friend zone him so hard and so expressly, and he kind of handles it like he doesn't break down, yeah. he doesn't flip out on her. Which yeah. a lot of, especially an American movie with American sensibilities, it would have been much more dramatic and much more overdone i i think i thought they actually handled it pretty well because one you usually don't get the hard friend zone like i like you just as my best friend and and he's kind of cool with it like he's still loyal to her which i liked both of those things i like both of those aspects but at the same time that's like the bare minimum <laughs> well and also sure. like you're you're a hero because she just wants to be your friend i mean i love the whole just wants to be like she is your friend right. like you know friend, she even. she is yeah. a really great friend and so there's nothing like and so like to drew's point like why does she have to why is it friend zoned and all this stuff like why not how lucky she she is this great friend you know mm-hmm. like why does it have to be like oh god <laughs> she sidelined him unrequited love is never easy especially when you're in high school that's why friend zone hurts so much you know, you, you put all your eggs in that basket because, you know, that's just what you feel. And and, and it's and then you get literally told to your face like, nah, I don't think so. That, that hurts. That hurts. That hurts whether you're no matter what the gender role is there. I think unrequited love hurts. And I think the film, you know, when it happened, you could go one or two ways. It went the way he just accepted. They swap places and they keep going forward. The other way is for him to run off and everyone to abandon their mission to save him from zombies and lose like one of them in the process. They do the right thing. And, uh, you know. Right. No one wants wants John to be a little bitch. You know, like he's he's just kind of like a goofy, awkward kid as it is. You know, if he had been like, I hate you. And then like would have forced it to whatever. Yeah, that would have been like, John, I hope you die kind of thing. But it is one of those ones. I love (laughs) their friendship and I love their dad. And it upsets me that he's not content with like just having everything he's got. Because the jokes they make, you know, talking about like the firebolt and, you know, how she's like, I can't be friends with you. Right, right you're so late they have like a really good friendship and it frustrates me that he can't see that in front of him but as a former teenage male i can completely empathize with the unrequited love that's because teenage boys aren't social enough to understand non-romantic relationships (laughs) (laughs) word drew (laughs) i do apologize for my militant feminism over here but (laughs) Uh, so we talked about how this movie has a nice blend of comedy. What were some of the like comedy moments that stood out for you? I already, I already like you know showed my hand with my olive the reindeer. That's so difficult. Anything where they reference social media, like hashtag evac selfie, because it's the crew that are in all of those pictures, right? And like knowing that makes it so much funnier. I'm really bad at finding Easter eggs, but I was impressed with myself because there is a hashtag Ash Campbell Easter egg in the evac selfie. That is cool. 
Yeah, I love yeah, that. And yeah, because Bruce Campbell plays Ash Williams in the Evil Dead series. And so that was like a mm-hmm. little mashup of his name. If anyone didn't catch that, go back and look at it. It was it was a fun little they didn't call attention to it. It was just kind of there. Yeah. The same way, like the Ryan Gosling. They talk about Ryan Gosling in a ball pit when they're right before Taylor Swift. And obviously with Ryan McHenry and Ryan Gosling uh, doesn't mean yeah. serial. So I thought that was I thought those were two nice little shout out Easter eggs. Yeah, and then you've got Mrs. Hinsman in the bowling alley. She's the cleaner, but that's the um, <laughs> the zombie that kills Johnny in Night of the Living Dead is Bill Hinsman. <laughs> it's random little references. That's funny when yeah. he hits her on the head with the shoe. That that bit is funny. That's what I was immediately thinking of my favorite. I tell you what, my my favorite bit of comedy. It's the darkest, and I. I, I feel bad for even admitting how much I love this moment, but it's during um, turning my life around. Obviously, Anna's dancing down the street. Everyone's running off in the apocalypse. Oh, nice. And we see Drew's just, yeah, Drew's just hidden away because she knows what I'm going to say. You see a woman abandon her pushchair and we cut back to it a few moments later with the zombies throwing the guts out as they're eating the baby. And oh, it's, oh, such, a, <laughs> it's such a dark joke. And because it just took me by such surprise, mm-hmm. you don't ever see that in zombie films. You never think of the implication of younger life and they just went there and it just made me laugh straight up that woman just left her babies i watched it because i was howling because i i've never seen anything like it and it just was so funny to me there's that little marsupial like a uh, creature it starts with a q but i can't think of the name of it where yeah his actual defense move is to throw his babies at the predator that's actually what they do and i'm like that's amazing that's my favorite joke i, I just because <laughs> i never expected to see a film where that happened that that is my favorite joke my least favorite joke and i think we both have the same one here is as they're escaping in the ball pit and uh steph gets peed on by a oh yeah i can live old lady that. zombie that is my least favorite joke that's kind of where I, I i think this film is too clever to need to do like toilet humor mm-hmm. I, I wasn't happy that she peed because pee is gross but i yeah. do like the bit of even old people zombies still need to sit and take that, a rest. And take a rest. That made me laugh. That is like, funny. That, that is hilarious. That's why it's so irritating is because that's funny on its own. Like, she could have just got sat on and then we'll move on, you know? <laughs> exactly, yes. How about you, Caroline? What uh, Any comedy set pieces stand out for you as being particularly funny? Oh, gosh. I definitely thought, because it was one of the very first times that we were encountering this, when the snowman, like, is at the end of the song and, like, <laughs> falls down in front of them, and she's like, I'm a first aider. The whole way that she just instantly, like, goes into, like, Girl Scout mode and is, like, like trying to help and then ends up, like, hitting him with the backpack. That part, just because it was the first kind of like really like getting into the the true plot of this and you kind of got the tone then like oh, okay yeah. there's gonna be zombies but we're gonna like be a first aider and laugh about it yeah that's funny so in the bowling alley fight scene <laughs> where they're fighting and they take they decapitate the zombie in the lane in the middle of the lane yeah. and then it's like a minute and a half later the head returns in the ball return <laughs> yeah, when, when the head rolled funny. out it made me howl with laughter i i, I really found it really funny because i it's love when stuff pays off touches it's yeah. such such a small feature but it's it just it's the 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 cap to that whole sequence i just thought of another one is when Nick's throwing uh, mince pies at people and Anna calls him a child and he goes, a sexy child. Wait, no. <laughs> 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 
very funny very funny but let's talk about the songs in the concept of is this a christmas movie or what makes this a christmas movie to you guys obviously you watch this for the first time around christmas time does it stand out to you as a christmas movie is this going to become a a rotating traditional christmas movie for you i think yes this is going to become something we watch every year but we were thinking because we rewatched this to talk to you guys if you look at her calendar like her little advent calendar it's the 23rd and then the 24th of December. Why is their school still open? Yeah. You know, they didn't. Nice. <laughs> right nice. to the end. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if it's vital. It's not like Die Hard where for the story to work, this has to happen at Christmas because we need the Nakatomi Plaza. We need, we need everything kind of shut down because it's the holidays. Mm-hmm. So this heist makes sense for Christmas. But if it's not Christmas, then we don't get it's that time of year. So I can live with it being yeah, Christmas. Yeah, I, I can feel with it being, I can deal with it being very forced for it to be Christmas so that we can get some of the numbers that we have because it's worth it for the humour. But I don't know if this has to be a Christmas film. Like you were saying earlier, if this was a graduation film, could it, it would still work. I don't mm. think it would take away from the plot. But I think the the Christmas jokes about it, like you say, one of your favourite jokes is Olive the Other Reindeer. We lose moments like this. That's true. Yeah. And I think part of the joy is that they're just, they're kids having fun. They're excited. They're, they're hyped for Christmas and their world is going to come crashing down around them. Yeah. The way this movie was supposed to open... There was supposed to be a full opening scene under What a Time to Be Alive, where we get like a news report about how it's flu season. And so like there's a big in the way that there always is in winter, like all the school kids get ill and then all the teachers get ill. But so it's supposed to open with that. And then you have like uh, the guy that plays Santa, who is referenced on the radio at the beginning to have the flu he's like stumbling through town and you see a couple of people get bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they cut that because there was a snowstorm and they couldn't actually film it. (laughs) Which does then make sense. It sets the world, you know, like Santa having all these kids on his lap is probably a super spreader if ever there was one. Yeah, exactly. But but without that, you know, it's like less important that it's Christmas other than that it is just flu season in the UK, you know. Well, you know, I think it's a Christmas movie. You know, it doesn't have to be a Christmas time. Like we said, you do lose a lot of the joy and the fun if you take out the Christmas elements. You lose the candy cane melee weapon, which is excellent as a as a melee weapon. And you would lose that. It would have to be like a crowbar or, or a baseball bat like Nick has. And I like the idea of like. I like the juxtaposition of using something joyful like a candy cane to, like, kill zombies. I think that's fun. I I like the idea that the world is ending at the happiest time of the year or what's supposed to be the most joyful, hopeful time of the year. Because that is it. that fits in the non-traditional Christmas mold that we've seen in some of the movies that we've covered, Caroline. Bad Santas, the Bad Mom's Christmas, uh, you know, all the ones that uh, Harold and Kumar Christmas, they're in the non-traditional, but there are elements of christmas theme or they're pushing against like the traditional christmas theme yeah but then you have like the song like i will believe towards the end and there's a great line there it says while there's hope while i still breathe i will believe that's a very christmas theme the idea of as long as there's some hope in the world i'm gonna you know continue to believe that things can be better that's very christmassy yeah and i think what a time to be alive is so like a michael buble christmas song that it feels so authentic and it's it's again that parallel that play on words like what a time to be alive through the zombie apocalypse but it's also the it's a christmas song 
Y'all are persuasive bastards, all of you, because I was definitely going to say, I don't think so. I don't think so, you guys. This could be played out at other times. And in fact, I think an end of the year, like, talent show where she does do a Christmas song is, like, so absurd. It's hilarious to me. <laughs> like, where everyone be looking at each other and be like, why did she pick this song? Like, this is so inappropriate. But, yeah, I mean, I think you could do a lot of these. I honestly got so much more of the whole teenage part of this I guess I mean I was looking at when she's walking down the street in the neighborhood and all this shit's going on and she has her earbuds in each time I watched it I had a different feeling so I was feeling like okay at first like of course teenagers are this oblivious and are this in their (laughs) own head and in their own world and and as adults we need to realize that you know like we need to have a little like empathy that like they make choices and hurt our feelings all the time because they don't even see what's going on around them like you know like they're just in their bubble and it's a it's a huge part of it but then I was looking at it from another point of view of like I feel really bad for our kids that like this is a really hard world we live in and look at them still trying to have fun and trying to like grow up and do things that we all did with a heck of a lot less going on in the world, you know? So I was like having all these feelings that really weren't about Christmas, but I'll go with you guys on the Christmas stuff. I'll say, okay, this has a lot of good vibes. I like the belief. I like the hope. I like all that good stuff. And sure, a good candy cane stabbing. Come on. (laughs) I'll go you know, I think th- I think this movie is much more works much more as a classic teenage movie teenagers coming to grips with life and being teenagers at the end of a school year even though it's the end of like I guess just first term well you know like even Hollywood ending you know Mike like mm-hmm. it hit me hard with uh, that's such grease feelings there mm, yeah. in the cafeteria singing about you know summer love and all that stuff like that's how I felt about everything going on with Hollywood ending I wasn't feeling Christmas, you know? I was hoping someone would bring it up. I felt <laughs> it's such a banger. This this movie this song is a banger. Yeah. I knew when I heard this one, I was like, Mike's gonna love this because this music is so up your alley. Well, yeah. I love the harmonies. They do such a good job of harmonizing yes. in all these songs. Yes. One of my favorite things is that the uh the oh uh, oh no such thing as a Hollywood ending is credited to sad singles. <laughs> That's funny. That is funny. Oh uh, but there, there. But the um, Caroline, I want to hit on your point though. There's that great song, uh, "Human Voices," which is uh, Chris starts it off, but it has again great vocal harmonies in it. But the song is about, I think, how quickly kids feel lost and alone, especially if you take away their mobiles. It, they, you know, yeah. there there are four of them in that bowling alley, and they still feel so kind of like isolated together. You know. Yeah, I, I think this movie is very much about teenage angst and, and, and teenagers struggling to find themselves more than a Christmas movie. So I think it's a Christmas movie, but I think it's much more of a great teenager With movie. With an asterisk. Yes, 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 for sure. What's sure. the, uh, the graduation version of her candy cane weapon? It's... If it's a graduation movie, a chair. <laughs> is it hard to break? That would suck. <laughs> her, her cat becoming like a throwing star, maybe? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like paper, she paper cutting. People. Yeah, paper cutting the people to death with her diploma. I don't know. I don't know. We could come up with something because there'd be like talent show props and crap still around. Yeah. So you could still probably even work it in. I feel confident. You still you have could. the candy cane from Lisa's performance. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. I feel confident you could do it. They just run backstage and they come into the prop room and she grabs the candy cane, even though it's like in you know June or May or whatever. <laughs> so. It'd be funny 
to me if Lisa always did that at every talent show, regardless of time of year. Like, this is like her go-to song. Yeah. yeah, this is just like, and even if the other kids were like rolling their eyes, like she's been doing this since freshman year. She does this every talent well, you show. You can make like- it seasonal. It could be like <laughs> Easter Bunny, come oh, and lay your eggs. You know, like something like that, you know. The funny thing is, though. Bunnies don't lay eggs. Yeah, she wrote that song. Like, Steph, at least that has a hundred percent written that song for the talent show. Yeah, because nobody knows it. Yeah, like it's not an, a pre-existing song. <laughs> it, it reminded me of it reminded me of a classy version of the Christmas song they do in Mean Girls. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was it was such like I mean that's such more that's so much more explicitly sexual. I like immediately thought of the the, the stage musical. musical version, which is a lot more explicit than this. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I can't believe they haven't done a stage musical of this. This seems ripe to be a stage musical to oh, me. Oh, I would be so game for that. I think there's a lot about this world. You know, it's fairly short. The the theatrical cut is only 98 minutes and there is scope for more. We've talked that there's a cut song, um, which the UK edition gets, which is between Mr. Savage and Anna's, and, dad. And Anna's dad. And it's, it's, it's one of the things I think lacks on the theatrical cut here is that we don't get much of their rivalry mm. and it's kind of, it's just thrown to the side, but this song, uh, which side are you on? is such a great, it's such a great number that you could bring back for these two in a stage show. I think. Especially because we also meet John's mum. Yeah. In this cut song, like she's not important, but she literally shows up and you guys watch the, the U S version. So yeah. she's not even in the U S version, not even in there. No, but she shows up for this one song. She's in the hall with all of the adults and Lisa. And then you find out that Mr. Savage killed her. Like zombies didn't kill her. Mr. Savage straight up murdered John's mom. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And it, it, he says it, it's a, like a cut scene that's only in the extended edition. He says to Anna, oh yeah, it turns out if you kill somebody before they're bitten, they don't come back as a zombie. And it's John's mom that's lying there that he's killed. It's like, oh my God. It's, yeah. like, what is happening? It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> but there's songs like Turning My Life Around that would be ripe for a reprise later on in the show as well. Dark reprise. Yeah, you get like a dark, more, you know. Well, they do a reprise in the movie of Hollywood Ending at the end, which yes. I thought, which I wasn't expecting because it, that's a really sophisticated kind of move. Uh, and, and I was I was pleasantly surprised that they kind of reprise it. So You guys, overall, I thought the production value in this was fantastic. Like, mm-hmm. I was really surprised at that. I really thought it was actually going to be like lower level. And I don't really know why. Maybe just because it was a, you know, movie about teenagers, whatever. But I was like, this was great. I mean, I thought that all of it, the music and the choreography and everything they were doing. We're we're about to get into our Jingle Bell ratings as we start to wrap up here, but because you guys run It's a Musical podcast and we've talked about a bunch of the songs, and I think I heard that Danny has a ratings on all the songs, I want to go around the horn and, and give me your top three songs from the movie. So yeah, I always, whenever we watch a show for the first time, when we have a, a, a song, I, I write down the name of the song and I give it a, a five out of five rating on an app. For me, this has so many good songs and I've listened to this soundtrack so much since we first watched it. I think my number one song is easily Turning My Life Around. Visually and just the, the tone of the song, it's so much fun, the synthesizers, it's just, it's such a great song. I love it so much. 
Second song, I think I'm going to have to go with Soldier at War because it's just... <laughs> we, we literally haven't talked about Nick at all. No, and Nick Nick is such like a forgettable character, but this song is great. This song is um, almost like a sore thumb because it sticks out because he's really underdeveloped except for the yes. song where you're just like, oh my God, this guy's been in a movie the whole time? Like, this is a great song. And it is, it just, even the beats that dun 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 it feels like they are soldiers at war. So I, I really love that one. And oh, it's so difficult to give a final third one. As much as I love fish wrap, I think I'm going to have to say, this one was one of the ones I liked less the first time I watched it, but listening to it again and again. And last night, Nothing's Gonna Stop Me Now by, by Savage is, is just so crazy and a great <laughs> villain song because you've seen his descent into madness. Yeah. And I just loved it so what much. What song does it remind you of? Or what? Because my son goes, this reminds me of like Little Shop of Horrors. And I was like, really? It is. It's the I was like, is that song, it? Yeah. Okay. Because I was like, where I'll is this coming from? And he totally, he like nailed it. He's like, I know exactly what this is, mom. I was like, okay. That's amazing because every time we've watched this, I've been like, what does this remind me yeah. of? This sounds like something else. But it is exactly the, the Psycho Dentist song. Yeah. I have in my notes, it's Savage's quote unquote gone crazy song. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I love when he's laying on the cafeteria cart and he like pushes his feet off the wall to like to like push himself on his back. I was mm-hmm. like, you are a scene. Uh, the movie version of Little Shop of Horrors is, is really classic for me. It's it's one of the, again, few like adaptations of a musical that I really like. Steve Martin is just so iconic as the dentist and especially in the uh, You'll Be a Dentist song is just fantastic in his masochism it's it's great i love it yeah (laughs) it's so good how about you drew do you have a top three um (laughs) so every every episode of it's a musical pod danny asks me at the end of the episode like what's your favorite song and you know i sit and do all the research and we watch the movie and i do not know every time he asks me what my favorite song is but i think it's probably a hollywood ending specifically just for when Paul K comes in and joins in with the kids. Incredible. Yeah, he's just standing out in the corridor, like (laughs) saying the lines quietly. Oh, it's great. And also John's Scottish accent for this Isney Disney, which is great. Oh, it's great. It's great. And it's right at the beginning of the song, kind of, too. So it it really Mm -hmm. is. So yeah, Hollywood ending and then probably give them a show is so good. That tie your hair up song. <laughs> yeah, the tie your hair. I, I love a good. I also like a good confrontation song too. It's uh, it's 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 in a lot of ways like the eleventh hour song uh for the movie. You know, mm-hmm. it's yeah. like the oh, uh, we're, we still have a whole battle here that we've kind of been building to, and it, it's about to get. It's about to happen. It's that time of year. <laughs> I could listen to that all the time. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> For me, I'm going to go Turning My Life Around, I agree, is my favorite. Uh, it's definitely the one I've probably watched or listened to the most. Uh, Hollywood ending, I'm going to go with my number two. Man, I really like Breakaway, and I really yeah. like Human Voice, but I think Soldier at War is just so well done and so well choreographed. It's probably the best choreographed song in the movie, and it works f- so flawlessly with the lyrics and the delivery. Yeah, It's just so well executed as a piece. 
Um, yeah. yeah. So I think I'm going with Soldier at War as my number three. And those weapons are fantastic as well. We have <laughs> yeah. a great shot with one of them throwing a melon, you know, caving in a zombie's face with it. And then you get the shot, the reaction shot as the melon flies in his face. One of them has got PlayStation controllers. Like nunchucks. But they are they have to be PlayStation Two controllers because PlayStation Three onwards they were detachable that you yeah, could no, charge. It is. I was looking yesterday because you you said this when we covered it. It is a detachable charger, which means they that somebody on the production team had to glue that in. Yeah, so, so that they could spin it like. So that. it's either a really ineffective weapon that those PlayStation controllers are coming unhooked from the charging mm-hmm. cable or he's got a playstation 2 charge you know playstation 2 controller but i love it it's just looking at them they're the definition of makeshift weapons and it's what teenagers would think of to run yes. through it's just perfect <laughs> how about you caroline what are you what i'm are gonna give you it super quick i'm gonna say hollywood ending because it reminded me of greece and i just love that so much it was just so funny and and like a great choreographed cafeteria scene i love that outfit on lisa y'all i want that dress um and then uh nothing's gonna stop me now i mean that was so funny and again reminding myself of the the little shop of horrors come on that was amazing and then of course it's that time of year shut up i can't (laughs) absolutely both (laughs) i think we did super well in fast facts you guys i think we're ready to head on to jingle ball ratings all right well i think as our guests uh danny andrew you guys should give your wait don't you have to give me a clip oh yes okay mike play that clip what? I have no idea. What could it possibly be? Well, I think he, I'm surprised you don't know it from that you clip. Uh, oh, crap. Is it going to be that apparent? It, it have I good, lost my mind? It is Is uh, that animated classic special, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh. That is what we are covering What's for the matter 20. with me? I'm on drugs today. Uh, that, Crazy. That whistle sound. Uh-huh, that his nose makes every time it glows. So. I don't know that that's quite it, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> can we just have you do that <laughs> i don't think that's what it sounds like but that's funny yep. you could do your uh, air horn instead i have several different horns you have to specify uh, definitely air that's my favorite <laughs> so what are time for jingle bell ratings danny drew thank you guys for being a guest so now you get to go first what are your jingle bell ratings out of 10 out of 10 jingle bells how many are you giving anna in the apocalypse <laughs> I think I have to stick to my guns. And I think for me, my metric is always, could I watch this again? And I could. I could see this being a yearly Christmas tradition. I had as much fun the second time watching it as I did the first time. And I think it gave me everything I wanted. The only flaw with it is it's not longer. I'm going to have to give it nine out of ten. Nine out of ten jingle bells. Nine out of ten jingle bells. (laughs) That's a good jingle bell reading. Holy cow, that's a lot of bells. Yeah. You went all in with your jingle bells. (laughs) Mine's going to be lower than that. Yeah. Because I did not feel well when we watched this the other day, and this did not make me feel better. Um, Which (laughs) Because it it gets very depressing towards the end. Mm. So I'm going to give it seven jingle bells because I love it, but it didn't cheer me up. And it's a Christmas film. No, I want to be you don't want to walk want away to feeling cheered. sad. Yeah. yeah. Mm. How, about, right, how about you, Caroline? No way. I went first last night. Oh, you got damn it. All right. Um, I think this is a Christmas movie. I think I would watch this again, but I would I could watch this though at any time, and I don't think I necessarily associate it with Christmas. I think, like I said before, it works much better as a great 
teenager movie as like a teenage height like angst movie so i'm gonna give the it's gonna be a low jingle bell but it's not a reflection of how much i like it it's a reflection of how, how good a christmas movie i think it is so i'm giving it actually a six uh jingle bells okay it's up to me that's me i am going to give this one um well i'm not gonna tell you yet i think that you know i have a very small pool i'm a total tease I have a very small pool of movies that I can watch where my teenagers will totally sit there with me and smile and laugh along with it and and be totally because it's just enough scary and it's just enough everything that it, it hits everything for them. And having that at the holiday time when you're, you know, everyone's home from school and, you know, you have days off of work and all that kind of stuff and you want to put something on where everyone can deal with it. This is a really good movie for that. I agree with you guys very much, though, on when dad unfortunately passes i my heart was like that's i didn't want that to happen and i wasn't yeah. ready for that so for me i was like no 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 no. we weren't going to that place so that hurt quite a bit i am going to give this one 6.5 jingle bells 6. i loved it and it was a fantastic suggestion and i'm so glad because i never would have seen it i never would have seen it either suggested it and and this i mean this is going on my playlist it'll be regularly featured music uh in my house now uh, so I'm I'm super happy that I, we came across this with you guys. If I can't figure out a time to say unload your sack, this is just not any fun at all. You're not even trying then, honestly. <laughs> I'm not really. even trying. What am I even doing on a Christmas podcast? Uh, Danny, Drew, this comes out May 8th. Uh, so uh, I want to ask you guys if there's anything coming up that we should be aware of going on with It's a Musical or anything else that you guys want to plug or let us know. And where can people find you on social media? So we are launching a really exciting new uh, series where we uh, speak with other people we have guests on called it's your favorite musical podcast and we talk to you know a range of different people uh podcasters we've had your brother on and we're launching our first episode mm-hmm. um you know in, in the foreseeable future with with that um we've we've got an episode coming out on the third for bed knobs and broomsticks and then on the 10th we are covering pippin i believe yes so we've got some exciting Uh, And then we've got a bonus episode on the 12th. We, um, for our year anniversary, we we ran an episode where Drew tested my musical knowledge. How much knowledge have I gained? Because we are teachers. And I I got a very poor score (laughs) and I was a little bit bitter about it. (laughs) You're like, measurable goals. You did much better than (laughs) I did, honestly. I I also took the quiz, but I haven't listened to all of the episodes. I was doing a lot of it cold, but I did did much worse than you did. So don't worry about it. I love that there's like semester tests. <laughs> yeah. I was bitter, so I wrote my own quiz and we've got a bonus episode and inspired by Mamma Mia too, I've titled it When I Quizzed the Teacher. And I'm gonna do way better than you did. So, so that will be coming out on the twelfth. So we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Podbean, Stitcher, Amazon Music. So you'll be able to find, you know, a slew of great bonus content. Mm. We we think so at least. And our mainline series. Yeah on there and obviously if you like hearing us we're on twitter and instagram at it's a musical pod and we'd love to have you on our journey and you guys definitely need to come and talk to us on it's your musical podcast 
I love that because I was just going to say seriously that I think Mike and I are so jealous that you guys picked such a great topic because musicals are so fun. And now I'm going to put it to Mike that if you don't find me an Angela Lansbury movie to watch sometime soon, I'm going to be super sad. They get to watch Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. Come on. We can watch Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. I love Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. We can watch <laughs> I love it. Some I bed knobs and- oh, my God. Yes. We'll I need that somewhere. in my life. We'll, we'll do- be like, this is not a Christmas movie, but we just wanted to watch it. I don't know. I'll, I'll make up a story that when I was a little kid, this was like a staple at Christmas time. We would watch totally Ben Knobs and Broomsticks. That. I don't know. Like your grandma's Angela Lansbury. We did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I mean, we could uh, do Ben Knobs and Broomsticks. <laughs> have you guys watched Mrs. Claus? Mrs. Claus, no. It's a Christmas movie about Mrs. Claus saving the day, and Mrs. Claus is played by Angela Lansbury. Shut up. She just saved your bacon. Bacon saved. Like a true Steph, you just pulled up and went, boom, I saved your podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't see Mrs. Claus on here. We may have to, we have to move the old uh, He's list around. He's got a around. big spreadsheet. I have guys. a big spreadsheet. Where, 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 where do you think I, I keep all the jingle bells? Now Danny and you Drew's know. jingle bells are also locked into here. I've got oh, it all. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a whole foursome thing. There will be an Same. audit. I hope you guys are, you know... <laughs> HMRC comes around and an audit on you guys. You're going to, you know, have to come up with your jingle bells. This is Caroline. And this is Mike. Thank you guys so much for listening to the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you could leave us a five-star rating, that will be great. So we don't have to come to your house and stab you with a candy cane. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.